Good morning, Greater Alton. We are in the middle of a series called Get a Grip. And Alan has spoke for the last three weeks on Get a Grip on the Man of Jesus, or the Man Jesus. Our theme for the year here at Greater Alton is Taking Hold. And specifically, as we, as we came up with that theme, we had three, three goals in mind. Taking a hold of the Man, Jesus, the message of Jesus, and the moments that God provides for us. And so this is kind of a mini-series about those. And like I said, Alan spoke about getting a grip on the man. And for the next two weeks, I'm going to be speaking about getting a grip on the message of Jesus. And then I'll speak the last week on getting a grip on the moments. Uh, recently, my wife and I uh, visited another church. Okay, We weren't looking for to move to another church. We were there with friends. And uh, I personally find it very enlightening. I've come to the conclusion that I don't know all the answers. And Greater Alton does not have all the answers. And I used to go to other churches and be critical of them. So when I get the opportunity to go to another church, it's a growth opportunity for me to go and to not be critical and to go and to see what I can learn. And uh, But while I was at this church, there was something I noticed. And I, I the, the message that the preacher brought was contradictory. He said one thing in his introduction and his, and his, his lesson was about something else. And guys, when it comes to, under, to getting a grip on the message of Jesus, I can't begin to underestimate the importance of this. And so I'd like to ask, you know, if you look in your notes, there's a, there's a blank there. It says, you know, what do you say is the message of Jesus? And I would like to ask you to go back. You may have a quick thing. You may go, this is what I think the message of Jesus is. You know, a couple weeks ago in, in my small group, I asked, what's the message of Jesus? And they came up with eight or ten different things. And I'll go over in just a minute. But guys, I'm going to ask you, after the lesson today, you go home and just kind of do a gut check. And say, okay, before Gary's lesson, what would I have said the message of Jesus is? Ask yourself that. You see, because as I look at it, I think the message of Jesus is very clear. And we're going to be looking at it here in just a minute. But like, you know, Alan has spoke for the last few weeks from Matthew 16, and Jesus asked the question about to the apostles. He's, he asked the question, who do people say I am? And then he went on to say, but what about you? Who do you say I am? And so guys, he was asking for a gut check. Who do you say I am? And all I want you to do is to say, okay, is to do the same thing and to ask yourself, what do I say is the message of Jesus? All right? I think it's important that we do that. I wholeheartedly believe that it is significant that each of us compare what we think, feel, and believe to what the Word of God says. Okay? I don't know about you. I've found that things that I think, feel, and believe are wrong in the past. I've looked at things and I go, wow. You know, it's kind of like if you go back and read the story of Jonah in the Old Testament, and Jonah gets mad. And God asks Jonah, almost I can just almost hear God chuckling, do you have the right to be mad? And he's like, yes, I've got the right to be mad. <laughs> I just think it's funny. It's like, God's going, no, you don't. No, you don't. But we're like Jonah. We think we're right. And we'll even argue with God about it. And so guys, I think it's significant that we take a posture of humility that says, God, 
Show me what's right. And show me where I'm wrong. And so guys, that's what I hope to do as we look at this today. I just want to look at what is the message of Jesus. If you looked in the notes, if you looked at the verses, it's very plain what I'm going to be talking about. The message of Jesus is good news, the kingdom of God is near. And I've got three verses in your notes there. But I'm going to read some other verses, some more verses, a long length of verses. I don't know if we'll end up with these on the website. If not, I highly encourage you to go to a, a Bible search program, whether it's BibleGateway.com or whatever one you need. And if you don't know how to do that, find a 12-year-old with a pat, tablet in their hand and they can show you. Okay, Even if they don't understand the program, they can figure it out because they've grown up with this stuff. And it's very easy. But if you go to any of these search programs, these Bible programs, and search for the word kingdom in the New Testament and read through them, now you're going to be shocked. I was shocked. I knew the word was in there a lot. I was not aware that it's in there over 150 times. And nearly, I'd say 90 to 95% of them are directly speaking about the kingdom of God. There are some other references about the kingdom of darkness, about the kingdom of men, but they are primarily about the kingdom of God. And what I want to do is I want to read through these to you. And I believe that just reading through them, and it just, it, it makes it very clear that this was the message of God. That this was the message of Jesus. And everything else he spoke about is a part of that. And I'll get to that in a little bit. But let's read this. Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. It says, In those days John the Baptist came, preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Mark 1. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom has come near. Repent and believe the good news. It says Jesus went through Galilee teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. John 9, it says Jesus went through all the towns and villages teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. John, or Matthew chapter 10, Jesus is sending out the apostles and He says to them, as you go, proclaim the message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Luke chapter 4, it says at daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. The people were looking for Him and when they came to where He was, they tried to keep Him from leaving. But He said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because that is why I was sent. Luke chapter 8, after this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. If you go to Matthew 13, I'm going to rapid fire through these and without giving the references, but these are all parables. And these are how these parables begin. It says, He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. Once again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down into the lake and caught all kinds of fish. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. 
You see, folks, when you look at how much they're telling, Jesus is out preaching and they're summarizing what he's teaching as the good news about the kingdom of God. And then you go to his parables. And I didn't go through and, and, and do the stats on this, okay? But I would guess that at least 50% of his parables begin as we just read, where he's just saying, the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven is like. And guys, when you look at the, the, the amount of evidence and the amount of that Jesus is talking about this, you very clearly get it, the significance that he wanted us to know the good news about the kingdom of God. He wanted us to know exactly what the kingdom was like. That's why he told so many different parables. And he was very clear. The kingdom of God is like. Then when you go to the book of Acts, it goes on in verse chapter 3 of chapter 1, in the last days of Jesus' life. He's got 40 days from His resurrection to where He ascends into heaven. And it says He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about, guess what? The kingdom of God. Acts ends in chapter 28 and verse 31. It says, talking about Paul, he says He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Guys, when you look at that, and I, I had more that I read in first service, and if you want those, if you see me afterwards, I'll be happy to email them to you. But like I said, if you go to a Bible program and just do the search, you will see it. Guys, it was a number of years ago when I first started asking, what's the kingdom of God really all about? What's it really like? You see, because I had just always thought and told people, the kingdom of God is the church. Okay, the church is a part of the kingdom of God, but the kingdom of God is so much more than just the church. And when I started looking at it, I was amazed that it was everywhere. Last night we had, I don't know how many young girls at our house, fifth graders, middle schoolers, that my daughter-in-law decided to have over. Yes, I did get sleep. I don't know the condition of the house, but they were over. Anyway, Aurora, or shall I say Aurora, that's how you like to say it. That's how she likes her name being said, by the way, okay? She really likes that. But anyway, she goes, I want to see the spiders. I want, and some of you are laughing because you know, because my daughter's informed me, I've told this story way too many times. But you can go out, outside in my house, and you can, at night, and see wolf spiders if you have a bright enough light. And after you see them, you are shocked that they are everywhere. They are. And I meant to do that, and I'm sorry, I forgot, Aurora. Uh, actually, I fell asleep. But, um, guys, that's, that's the way I felt when you start looking at what the Bible is telling us about the kingdom of God. It's everywhere. And I start going, I need to understand this better. I would not have described the message that I would tell to a non-Christian as good news about the kingdom of God. I'd tell them how to be a disciple. I'd tell them how to love. I'd tell them how to get forgiveness. And that's all part of the message of the kingdom of God. But I didn't understand the kingdom the way I do now and the significance of it. That wouldn't, you wouldn't have been able to describe my message the way Jesus described His message. 
and the way the Holy Spirit describes the message of the apostles in the book of Acts. And so guys, I believe that that's what it is. And I'd be happy to discuss that. If you have any questions or uh, disagree, that's fine. I'd be happy to talk about it. But I believe it's very clear. And so that, guys, that kind of leads us to why was the message of the kingdom good news? There's, let, me, let me stop real quick, guys. There's, there's one thing as you, as you go through the kingdom, and if you look through those verses, there's two things you're going to notice. One thing is basically Jesus saying the kingdom of God is here. And then he's talking about the kingdom of God coming. And what he is referring to is, is, and this is a little bit of a challenging concept, but I feel like I need to throw it out there in order for you to process that and what we're going to be talking about. The kingdom, there's two, there's two aspects to the kingdom. There's the now and then there's not yet. And all that means is that you are part of the kingdom now if you're following Jesus. But it's not here in its entirety. There's more to come. That's why if you go through the verses, as I've encouraged you to do, you will find in all the epistles where it repeatedly talks about us inheriting the kingdom. There's more to come. And so guys, it's significant that you look at that and as you realize that. Um, but what, why was the message of the kingdom good news? Well, the first thing I want to tell you is that God's plan is happening. I say happening because it's not done. But when Jesus was there, that was just saying, this is the good news. Guys, what do you mean God's plan is happening? Well, you see, guys, in Exodus chapter 19, in the first six verses, is where we first hear God speaking to us about His kingdom. And what he tells them, he tells the Israelites, he goes, I'm going to make you into a kingdom of priests. And it's the first time we hear the word kingdom like that, and we hear about everybody being a priest. And from there, up through the time of Jesus, and I guess even from before there in Exodus, you see prophets and prophecies about the coming kingdom. We're going to look at it in a minute, but the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they come to Jesus and they're asking questions about when's the kingdom going to be here? How do we know when it's going to be here? They were expecting it because of all the prophecies that were there. I mean, it even goes back to before Exodus when a guy named Jacob is talking, he's blessing his children at the end of his life, and he's speaking to, to one by the name of Judah, and he says, a king, kings are going to come from your, from your line. And that's the way it was. King David was from the line of, was, was, was a descendant of Judah. But he goes on to say, until the king who's going to reign forever. See, he's talking about Jesus, even way back then. And it goes on and on and on, where all the prophets are pointing to the Messiah as king and the coming kingdom. And so when Jesus gets on the scene, everybody's expecting it. And Jesus is there and says, the kingdom is near. The kingdom is in your midst. And then you find the apostles going out and sharing the good news of the kingdom. And then you get to 1 Peter chapter 2, in verses 9 and 10. And do you know what it says? It says, we're a holy nation. We are a royal priesthood. You see, guys, he's making connection with Exodus chapter 19, where he says, 
It's, it's complete. What was prophesied in Exodus 19 is now here. And I know it's not here in, 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 in its entirety. But guys, I don't know about you, but I find it very exciting to find what God said is true. And you look at His prophecies and go, they are coming true. Why? Because there are things in the future we haven't experienced yet. He's told us about this little bitty event that I'm going to get to speak on later this year called the resurrection. Have you all heard about it? If you haven't, you will. Okay, It's my personal goal that everybody completely understands, well, better understands the resurrection. And I say better because... I don't want to presume that I am going to completely understand everything about it. But guys, it's a big deal. Because what happens at the resurrection is that everybody that's dead comes back to life. And those who are part of the kingdom get to live forever. That is cool. These promises coming true, the promise of the kingdom coming true, tells me that the promise of the resurrection will come true. Not as much as Jesus' resurrection does, but nonetheless, it tells me that God is faithful. And when God has said something is going to happen, guess what? It's going to happen. And you need to, be, you need to understand that. That's the, one of the first things about uh, the good news of the kingdom. The second thing about the kingdom, about why it's good news, is because it ain't what you think. It's better. It's better. You see, guys, one of the things that I've come, become very, very convicted about is that what... And I've been guilty of this. The vast majority of Christianity is merely religion. And it's legalistic. It says, here, live the right way, follow the right rules, and they go to the Bible for these things, and they're not wrong about all of them, okay? I'm not... I'm, I just want to be very clear. And they say, and then you get to go to heaven. Guys, there's so much more to the kingdom than that. There is so much more. And this verse here in Luke chapter 17, it's not in your notes. I'm sorry, I made a mistake too. Just like Chris did. But it says in Luke chapter 17, verses 20 and 21, it says, once... On being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, The kingdom of God is not something that can be observed. It ain't what you think. Nor will people say, here it is or there it is. Because the kingdom of God is in your midst. You see guys, here's the thing. What they were, they were expecting something very specific. And what they thought is the Messiah is going to come and He's going to be our earthly King and He's going to make all these Romans pay for what they've been doing to us. And everybody else who doesn't care about God is going to be punished. And we're going to be shown for being God's true people. And we will be a nation. A physical, visible nation. And God goes, you're kind of wrong about that. And you see guys... The truth of the matter is, I'm guessing that each of us probably have our own idea about what the kingdom of God really is. And what it's like. Or dare I say, what we want it to be. You see, because when I was talking about messages that are taught out there earlier, 
One of the messages that has been popular over the last several decades is what some people call the health and wealth message. You've probably heard about it. It's been nicknamed the uh, name it, claim it, or the blab it and grab it. Okay? And basically the message is that if you follow Jesus, you're going to be healthy and rich. Good stuff is going to come to you. And the, the people that are, that, are, that are preaching this can be our preachers that a lot of times they are personally wealthy. And you know why? Because the people that they're preaching this to are giving them money. You know, I heard about one local preacher that did this and they had a thing called Founder's Day. And do you know what Founder's Day was? It was a day when you honored him, who had, preacher who had founded the church, and they had a special contribution that went directly to the preacher. And he drove a big fancy car and had a big gold watch, Rolex I guess it was, and said, you can be like me too if you follow Jesus. And you see guys, the truth of the matter is, we probably have our own idea about what we want the kingdom to do. We may not be like the health or the health and wealth like I just described. But you see, I, let me tell you more of my ideas about the kingdom of God that I used to have. Was that anybody that followed Jesus should have a job and be responsible and manage their money and all this good stuff. You know, things are going to go well for them. And I, what I really meant is things are going to go well for me personally. The only problem with that is Jesus had a little statement that said, in this world, you will have troubles. Kind of contradicts all that, doesn't it? You see, guys, we've got our own idea of what we want the kingdom to be like. Why it's good news. And I'm guessing nobody in the room includes troubles into that. Right? That's not good news to most of us. But guys, we have our own diet. But I want to tell you, it's not what you think. It's so much more. You see, one of the things I think, I don't think this, I know this, we want clarity. Everybody knows, wants to know what the future is going to be like. I, uh, I believe that God follows a pattern that uh, a theologian of today has, his name is N.T. Wright, he's from England, and he has said that God has given us signposts pointing into the fog. You know, meaning He gives us direction, clear direction to go that way, but He doesn't show us clearly what's ahead. And guys, the, the, the truth of the matter is, that's the way God has operated for all of eternity. You look at what He told Abraham. He says what? Leave your family and go to a land I'm going to give you. And I'm going to make you the father of many people. And he's 75 years old and never had a kid yet. His wife's 65. And he just goes. And see, God didn't lay out what His plan looked like in HD. Okay? It wasn't even VHS. He just said go and pointed him in a direction and you don't know. We have a desire to know, don't we? We do. We do. We are in a... Uh, my wife and I and... Uh, our family is in the midst of a little transition. We're selling our auto glass business and uh, we're in the process of purchasing another car wash. Our oldest son, Jonathan, is going to uh, be the project manager on that. Uh, him and his wife are going to have some ownership of that. And uh, 
you know, we, 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 we got together with Jonathan and Emily a few weeks back or months back and we were discussing the details of this and what this was going to look like and what was going to be expected of Jonathan on this. And see, because Jonathan has a degree in mechanical engineering. He graduated last May, but has yet to find a job as a mechanical engineer. And so we're like, well, what does that mean? Well, you're going to have to put your job, job search on hold. Well, what comes after that? Will you be able, you know, Susan's like, will we be able to continue to employ him? I don't know. Well, what do you mean? He's going to put his job search on hold and we don't know if we're going to be able to keep him on? No, I don't. I know three months in advance. I know what the next three months is going to look like. Maybe stretch it to six months. At then, we'll see what's out there. And I, guys, I just believe it illustrates our desire. I would like to know more. I would like to know more about what's out there in the future for me. God hasn't given it to me, and I believe it's the same with the kingdom, guys. It's better than what you think. But He doesn't give you every last little detail. Okay, so what did Jesus tell us about the kingdom? And I've got to fly. First of all, the citizenship in the kingdom is voluntary. Guys, citizenship is voluntary. In Luke chapter 9, just what Jesus says, it says, and He says to them all, if anyone wishes to come after Me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow Me. Guys, you have a choice of whether or not you're in the kingdom of God or not. God's not going to make you, and let me put it another way, you're not going to accidentally get into the kingdom of God. That's kind of like accidentally getting, in, getting enlisting in the Marines. That's not an accident, is it, Jim? You may, after you get in there, think it was a mistake, but it's not an accident. You have a choice. Guys, it's the same with getting in the kingdom of God. It's voluntary. Okay? It's not all health and wealth. The king has said, in this world we'll have many troubles. And the way the king operates, sometimes I wish he'd operate differently. That's why it's voluntary. Uh, the second thing, guys, that God has told us about the kingdom, He said, as your king, I promise. He makes some promises to us. You know, we just got a new president. I don't know if any of you guys are aware of this or not. Yeah. Yeah. Eight years ago, we got a different president. Okay? I'm sick of promises made by politicians. I am, I don't, I don't, I'll talk bad about both parties, by the way, alright? I don't claim either side, and I will talk bad about both because it is disgusting to see the way politicians in this country, and it's even more disgusting to see the way Americans line up thinking that their, this next candidate is, dare I say, going to be the savior of America. It just, it's just disgusting to see this. But guys, I want to let you know, Jesus as King makes some promises. And there's two promises that I believe are hugely significant that I, I want to talk about very briefly today because I'm almost out of time. Uh, the first one is, He promises to meet your physical needs. That's what He says here in Matthew chapter 6, in verses 25 and 30. He says, For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. 
But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Guys, He promises that if you are going to put His kingdom first and you are going to seek His kingdom and His righteousness, that He will take care of all of your physical needs. That sounds pretty good to me, doesn't it? I mean, I will put my, I, I like this promise a whole lot better than the promise of health care. I mean, I do. Now, Jesus didn't promise me health care. He really didn't. But guys, you know what's exciting about this? Is that if I believe Him, if I trust Him on this, do you notice what goes away if you believe this promise? little five-letter word called worry. How many of you would like to have less worry in your life? I didn't ask for a change or anything. Some of you are very eager. Like I'm going to be able to help you with it, you know? Guys, no, no. A year ago I was standing before you and talking about how God was just convicting me about my, my about worrying and the stress I was feeling. And it was literally all centered around we own our own business. So what happens in the business impacts you know, food and clothing. Not as directly as it did for these people, but that's the future. And I have a fear of something as a business owner that I've had to deal with over the years. And you know what it is? Bankruptcy. You know, if I make a mistake or if the economy goes south or something changes and my business isn't viable anymore, guess what? I could end up losing my house. And that's the way that this all plays out in my head. And God convicted me about worrying and being stressed. And I was guilty. And so I took the challenge to say, I need to worry less. I need to trust Jesus more. I need to look in the past. We've been self-employed for 23 years. And He's not only taking care of us, He's taking care of us well. Why should I start worrying now? And, that, that, and I, I, I don't have time to go into how this played out, but literally I would, I would let things, I would put things off. All of a sudden my skill of being a procrastinator was a, a benefit to me. I would put things off and I would choose not to worry because God said not worry. I'm going to take care of you. And guys, it is so cool. We have... We have going on in our life right now what my accountant describes as lots of moving pieces. And if you, you, if you, could, if you know all of them, it is crazy. The business thing is one thing. We have four aging parents with a variety of health issues. We have my wife's cousin who is in the hospital again in Springfield. Last month, in over a two-week period, we made eight round trips to Springfield. Because we believe God has put people in like this in our life for us to take care of. So instead of working on my business, what am I doing? I'm getting my mom lunch. Okay, I'm taking my mom to the hospital. I'm going to Springfield to take care of my wife's cousin. And on and on and on. I told my wife, this is our life now. This is what God's put in front of us. And then last night, my daughter-in-law brings over this herd Of young ladies, and you know how you know you know the the one word my wife uses to describe me right now. 
sappy. Sappy. And she goes, you're just sappy about everything. And what is it? I'm giddy. In the midst of all this chaos, I'm happy. I'm not stressed. I'm not worried. Jesus has promised me He's going to take care of me. And guess what? I don't have to worry. That's a benefit, guys. That's what my King has promised me. The other thing that He has promised me is life. And more specifically, eternal life. Whenever Jesus is promising you life, He's not talking about, hey, I'm going to keep you alive. I'm not going to give you what you already have, your life. He is talking about eternal life. And once again, I want to encourage you to go do your own word study on the word life in the New Testament. In preparation for this lesson, I was reading through the the Gospels. And I was shocked at how much the word life and how much Jesus talked about giving life. Just like the wolf spiders. I was amazed. It's everywhere. And so I encourage you to do it. Uh, if you want to take the, the abbreviated version of that, you read John 5 and 6. But if you want to do the whole thing, go do the word study. But this is what it says in John chapter 5. And I don't believe this is in your notes. John chapter 5, verses 39 and 40. It says, you study the Scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very Scriptures that testify about Me, yet you refuse to come to Me to have life. What's He saying? You guys are studying the Scriptures looking for what? Eternal life. I can give it. I can give it. The book of John ends. uh, I may may be wrong. Near the end of the book. Let me say that. It may not be the end. Uh, John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31, it says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of His disciples which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. You see, guys, as King, Jesus has promised and provided a way for us to have eternal life. Let me put that another way. You're going to live forever. And that's what's that going to look like and all the details of that? I don't know it all. Okay? Jesus does give us some indication of things in some of His parables, but guess what? The bottom line is it's going to happen. I spoke earlier about the, the series that I'm going to do on the resurrection. That's a big deal. At the resurrection, if you want to go read 1 Corinthians 15 on that, and let me encourage you, again, I want to encourage you. You know we're going to be talking about this. I encourage you folks to go do some study on the resurrection on your own. Okay, don't wait and only take what I'm going to present to you. God's given you a mind and a Bible. And He will guide you through that. But anyway, guys, the resurrection says... Everybody that's dead is going to come back to life. And if you're part of the kingdom, you're going to live forever. And things are going to be different. These bodies are going to be new. Who wants one? 
That excites me right now. Excites me to no end. And it tells me what? I can deal with this. I'm 53 and things don't work the way they used to. They don't. They don't. I had to hire a young man to do work this week that I couldn't do. Alright? You're going to have a new body and it's not going to ever break down and it's not going to ever die. That is so cool. That's what our King promises us. And guys, that's exciting. Guys, I encourage you to learn more about this. The third thing that Jesus tells us about the kingdom is that citizenship is conditional. Citizenship is conditional. My daughter and I have been having numerous, dare I say, theological discussions. She goes over to the Greenville College and uh, it's a Christian college. And uh, some of her humanity classes are to write papers on theological issues. And so she comes home and wants to debate with me. It's not really, but she, she's questioning, she's challenging, and it's good. It's good. It's becoming a reg, I, we were having one of these last night and, and Emily, our daughter-in-law came in and go, this is a regular event here now. She is talking and she's asking questions. And one of the questions was, you know, uh, was about forgiveness and, how forgiveness comes about and is it conditional? You have to do anything for forgiveness once you've accepted Jesus and you've been baptized and you've made Him Lord and all that. Do you have to do it? And we, we, we got to discuss that. You see guys, you volunteer to go in the kingdom and you can volunteer to leave. Now, you don't always walk out. Sometimes you stay in and just pretend you're still here. You pretend you're still a citizen. And so guys, I want to make that clear as we go through this. But this is what, it's, this is what Jesus said in Matthew 16. He says, Then Jesus said to His disciples, If anyone wishes to come after Me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow Me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for My sake will find it. What's he saying there, guys? You've got to give up your life to get the life he's offering. That's the condition. Second thing, in Matthew chapter 7, and you're familiar with this, I know it says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened for everyone who asks, receive. And he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. You see, guys, here's the thing. That's a conditional promise. He says, seek and you will find. What happens if you don't seek? You don't find. That's the truth of the matter. And guys, that's why I'm encouraging you, I don't know if you've caught it, to dig on your own, to read the Bible on your own, to do word studies in the Bible on your own, to research a topic in the Bible about God, on your own. That's why I'm excited that I'm having debates with my daughter because she is looking at things on her own. And let me just tell you, she don't always agree with me. See guys, you're not going to find the kingdom unless you seek it. That's a condition. You're not going to stay in the kingdom unless you continue to deny yourself. So guys, that's it. 
we're over time. I'm going to stop and pray. I believe everybody knows what to do. They're going to come up and sing a song. We'll pass the baskets during the second song to collect up your offering. If you're visiting with us, we do not request your offering. We ask, we're asking for the members to support the church here, and it's just the best time to do it. So let's pray real quick and we'll get moving, alrighty? Father, I am amazed. I am amazed when I dig into your word what I find. I am amazed when I start looking at something I should have known about years ago. I'm amazed at what I find. Father, your kingdom is everywhere. Your kingdom is what it's all about. You promised it. And now I get to be a part of it. I get to live it in this world that I live in. Father, I get to, I get to be an example of it. And I get to, I get to share it with other people. And I get to invite other people into your kingdom. Father, I want to pray for us right now as, as a, as a group of people. Father, I want Greater Alton to be a light in this world. And I want it to be said of us that we share the good news of Your Kingdom. Father, for that to happen, we have to grow in our understanding. And Father, I pray You touch every heart and every mind right now with a desire to understand more of Your Kingdom and to understand how th- what You expect of them and how it impacts their life. Father, I don't worry about health care because I know I'm going to live forever. Father, I ask You to show us the way and to open our eyes and our minds to Your kingdom. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.